but it takes time to build a reputation and to get somewhere. And if you cannot mentally prepare yourself for those years, then really consider that because you also don't want to waste your time or lose your money. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you're new to the show, this is the show where I interview entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers in East Idaho and learn their origin stories and all about their business journeys and all the things that they go through in order to provide us the great services that they provide us. This show also serves to help us get to know our neighbors a little bit better, and I think that helps our community um, as we get to know one another. So today, my guest has been blessing East Idaho with her culinary talents for years, and we get to learn about her story. So welcome Dina Brower of Diabla's Kitchen. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. So I am sure that most people know where Diabla's Kitchen is, but just in case they don't, tell us where it's at. I am located in downtown Idaho Falls um, at 368 A Street. And if you need a couple of points of references, I'm across the street from Ingram's Jewelers and across the alleyway from Great Harvest Bread. Yeah, so you're right in the heart of all the things that we love in downtown. Absolutely. Okay, so how long have you been in downtown Idaho Falls? I am celebrating eight years this month of September. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you've been down here that long. I can't believe I've been down here that long. It is nuts. It has gone by so fast. Okay, so tell us, Diablo's Kitchen is a restaurant. It is a restaurant, and then I'm a catering company also. So I do, I guess, a little bit of both of those things. So talk to me about it. what kind of food do you serve? Like, how did it come to be? Well, we, I call our food clean comfort food. And the reason being that it's all of the things that you want to eat, that you crave to eat, that maybe you remember growing up eating, but we do it in a very clean and healthy way in the sense that we make everything from scratch. Um, we don't use a lot of, you know, we don't use preservatives. We use organic and local as much as we possibly can. That has been really important to you to try to do fresh ingredients and local ingredients and that kind of thing as part of your um, your catering and your food. Absolutely. I really feel like that a big part of your overall health is what you put into your body. And when you're putting things into your body that are pre-processed or not natural or who knows what, I mean, how many ingredients on labels do you see that you can't even pronounce the words? then it just overall health um, is not good for you. And I feel like we have lost a lot in the sense of going in a more quick and easy fashion and forgetting about all of the things that um, food really means to us. Yeah, so is that, um, take me back just a little bit, is that how you have done the restaurant ever since it opened? Yes, ever since it opened, we've had a, you know, when we first opened, we only had six items on the menu and they were just very simple things. Um, now, have but, you been a chef? Like, what is your experience? That, like, how did you even know that you could be a, do, run a restaurant? Well, I started working in the restaurant industry right out of high school. So pretty much that's just what I started doing at, you know, 18 years old. Um, I always really enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoy the work. I enjoy working with the customers. 
So by the time I was around 25 years old, I knew that I wanted to stay in the restaurant business and most likely own a restaurant. But at that point, I had only been either a bartender or a server, so I was on the, the front side of things. Yeah. And it had honestly never really occurred to me to cook until, other than out, outside of the house, until I started working at a place called Vino Rosso and they were doing catering. And that's when I started doing just some things with them. And that's what kind of gave me the bug to realize that's what I really wanted to do. You were and like, I like this. Yes, I can do this. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I started out as a catering company. And but did you know you could cook? Like, had you been a chef at home? Made no, just, kind of. You know, I, I would practice at home and I would make a lot of different kinds of things. I wouldn't say any of it was really chef-like or really exciting, but I always did try a lot of new things and I am very fortunate that my husband's always been very willing to taste anything <laughs> That's so good. that I've made and he, and he can contest something's not so great. Really? Especially the first time around, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I just, I, I didn't realize how much I liked it or how much I could do it until I just started doing it. Yeah. And were you getting people saying, this is awesome. You need to do this. Yeah, but when we started out the catering company, that's exactly it. And so we, and then I just have grown it and grown it in the types of food I offer now. And um, so I cook food now from all over the world. And it's, it's not that I've necessarily visited these places. You know, I haven't been to India. I can't necessarily say exactly what some of these dishes should taste like. <laughs> but you know but, your version. <laughs> but I know my version. And the thing that I just remind myself is um, mothers make this every day. So in some household somewhere, this is what mom is making for dinner. And so that's just kind of what I focus on is when you feel that motherly love, then you know that it's done. And so is that kind of what has driven you all along? Like when you were cooking for other people, you've kind of been felt like mom feeding people? Just not necessarily like mom, but I, that is one of the things that I, the aspects that I love the most is just bringing that that joy or that happiness or that fulfillment to people yeah. and that's why we've set the restaurant up the way that it is which is the open kitchen um, you know with all the more antique type decor just all of those things because when you walk in the door we want, we want you to feel like you're walking into your mother's house your grandmother's house your aunt's house and that that's just the welcoming feeling that you can sit down and enjoy a meal and enjoy some company you know whether you're alone or with your big group it's a nice setting for everybody. Yeah, you have accomplished that well. That We are in the restaurant right now, and it is darling, and it's very comfortable. Um, it's cozy, though. How many people can you seat in here? You know, if we don't move things around too much, we get a little tight around 38, 40. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we have to start making arrangements for bigger tables, then obviously we lose seats in other ways. So... It just kind of depends, but. So do you, do you um, when you do your catering, do you actually rent the restaurant to groups so you close it to the public? I have done, I do that and I do off-premise also. Okay. So I've done it both ways. So I do, you know, I get Christmas parties here every year. Um, business parties, I've done a lot of baby showers here, which are fun. I've done some birthday parties. Um, I've done just office meetings where the office will rent the restaurant for the day and they yeah. come in and have breakfast and yeah. then have their meeting and then have lunch and then have their meeting. So you're flexible. You'll just meet whatever your customer needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So before you opened this location and you were, um, did you have a, did you do something be between Vino and here? Did you have catering only for a little we while? Had, we had a, I had a little tiny spot on Higby 
that was a little catering kitchen and I was there for about a year, okay. almost a year exactly. Okay. Yeah. And did you, was this all like, were you doing all of this by yourself? I started out with a couple of business partners. And so we started out being called Three's Company Catering. Okay. And then, you know, we had one that uh, moved on to do some other things after a couple of years. And so that's when we changed the name to Diablo's Kitchen. Uh-huh because there was two of us and, and then, um, and then my last business partner, same, you know, also chose to just move on to do other things. Yeah. So, so the restaurant business, is it, I mean, I think I look at the hard, it looks like really hard work and you, you know, customers are not that easy sometimes to please. So talk to me, you said you love the customer interaction. Mm -hmm. How have you, is it just your personality that you just love being in that service industry? I think so. I, since I just always enjoyed it right out of the gate, I, you know, I, I just think that's kind of always what I've liked doing is, is being on that customer service end. And so, you know, for me, I know a lot of, a lot of people look at it as, you know, you're maybe doing them a favor when they ask you to do something special but I look at it as you are working for them. So why, why are you doing them a favor for them to pay you to do your job? Right. right. And so, and, that, <laughs> it's okay. and, and even waiting tables, that was always my attitude, whether, you know, some people thought maybe this customer was a little too difficult. I never felt that way because they just wanted to be treated a particular way. And once they tell you what their needs are, you just meet you those can needs meet it, yeah. and you're gold. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's not that hard to just, to do that but it's also not everybody's personality yeah right to it seems you like know. you were made to do this kind so. of work because it, <laughs> it 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 is easy for you as far as how to interact with the public right. and especially mm -hmm. in some rather demanding circumstances mm -hmm. how have you done in meeting i mean anymore there are so many different dietary needs how do you adjust your menu or your cooking to those things? Well, we always have things that are already gluten-free or already dairy-free or um, vegan or vegetarian. So I always have one of the, at least one or two items of those things um, on the menu. Yeah. Now, since we make everything from scratch, we make everything every day, we always have the fresh ingredients on hand. So if you come in and have, let's say, a more extensive allergy, then we can always come up with something. It may not be something on the menu, and it, you might have to wait a little bit longer, especially if we're you know, particularly busy, but we will do our best to accommodate what it is that you need. And I've had people that come in with allergy lists of 10, 12 items long. And wow. so it's, it's not always necessarily easy, but I'm always happy to try my best and, and see, you know, get you fed. What can you, you eat? Know, yeah. What can we do? Uh -huh. So, yeah, well, that's pretty cool. I don't imagine that everybody is like that with, you know, just custom make whatever um, you can to meet my needs. Well, the size of the restaurant definitely leads into that ability, the fact that we are so little. And so, you know, if we have 38 customers in here at a time, that is that's really busy for us. But the chances of that happening are are and all of them ordering at one time are pretty slim. Right. So that just gives us the time to actually do it. You know, if I was seating a hundred customers, I would, it would be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how many people are cooking? There's me and one other chef named Joel. Okay. And so how many, how many employees do you have? And then I have three servers and two dishwashers. All right. So you have a nice, is it kind of like a little family just even in your employees? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I try, and I try to keep it that way. You know, I, I want my employees to be happy. If they're happy, then they're going to, you know, they're going to enjoy their job, which then the customers there see. And since 
again, we're so little, everything is right in front of you. So there is no, you know, hiding and, you know, if you're upset or so we just try to really keep a really fun atmosphere, keep it friendly, make sure that everybody's happy and, and getting, you know, their needs met. And so, yeah, that's awesome. I think there's probably quite a turnover in the restaurant industry as a whole, maybe not for Absolutely, you, yeah. yeah. I, I've had my fair share, but that's, I wouldn't say it's out of the norm by any means. Yeah, good. Yeah. So when, let's go back to um, your prior to coming to the restaurant. I imagine, was this building set up as a restaurant when you took it over? Before I took it, it was the Eagle Rock Co-op. Okay. So, um, and, but it had, it had been restaurants in the past, a okay. couple of others. But was there equipment and, But there here? was no equipment yeah. here. We put all of that in. So how do you go about doing that? Like you, that was an investment. Absolutely. I, you know, um, we just, when we started out, we owned a few things. And when we moved over here, that's what we brought. It was, <laughs> and it was literally, we had an, an oven. Oh, that's good. And a single door fridge and a triple sink. And that's pretty much it. I mean, that's pretty and much what, all we had. Is that enough to get going? So, and that's what we worked with for a year oh, with did. our other catering company. Wow. And, and then when we moved over here, the, you know, our husbands built the bar for us and we, um, you know, we just, we, we grew as we could. Yeah. And even after, you know, as the business partners left, that's just the thing that I've kept with is I grew as I could and which is saved me a lot of debt. Yeah. Um, what did you think it would be when you came here? What was your vision for the restaurant? You know, I, I honestly didn't have a vision exactly. Um, other than I knew I, I wanted the open kitchen. I, I really wanted that. How come? And that's what we worked with at Vino a little bit. I uh -huh. mean, and we weren't cooking a lot necessarily, but doing small appetizers and big, beautiful cheese plates and things like that. But just the reaction of the customers at the bar, watching, watching you. you do this uh -huh. was just something that I, I just, that's kind of what gave me the bug. And so that's what I wanted is for the customers to be able to see exactly where their food is coming from and see you enjoy making it and having these conversations and, you know, talking while you're cooking and I'm just all of those things. And so it is fun. I, you know, I've sat at the bar down here before mm -hmm. and, and had interaction with you while I was eating. And mm -hmm. so it is, it's a lot of fun to be able to interact like that. Yeah. And I, I think it's just a really unusual experience. Yeah. It's not something you see in very many restaurants. And so I, I knew I wanted that. I knew I wanted the food to be, you know, a, a smaller menu, um, things that we could change regularly, you know, keeps, keep seasonal. And you do that now. Your menu changes I, how often? So right now, it ch now it changes every month. Oh, wow. But until recently, until this last June, it changed every week. Oh, wow. Which as for That's seven tough. years was quite the undertaking. Yeah. And obviously, you know, some, you know, there's repeat items, but how do you even order food and stuff when you it, you're changing it every week? Well, so that's what I so I grocery shop a lot. Yeah. I don't necessarily order a lot from the big food distributors because, again, where I'm changing it all the time, or we're not serving as big of a menu or as many people, and I want things to stay fresh. And so I grocery shop almost every, every day. day. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. Uh huh. So what if you can't get an ingredient locally? You change, um, you change the item? I change the item or I do order specialty things online. Uh -huh. 
um, certain spices or but you know and I when I really want something if I search hard enough for it usually can I can find, find a way to get it you know so do you have growers locally that you work with I have a couple of different ones um, one does salad greens one does garlics and other root vegetables and and then I shop at the farmers market yeah that's um, awesome so yeah. you're definitely supporting everybody else in this community that's helping feed us. Absolutely. You know, I feel like we're all, we're all a big part of the circle that needs to be kind of brought back. And so people need to be shown what, what farming is again, what growing your own vegetables is again, what the difference is and, and how important that is. If we continue to, you know, lose this knowledge throughout the generations, what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's important for all of us to work together to try to keep that conversation going because just as you know, here we're talking about the restaurant, but we're now we're talking about the local food market, which is just such an important thing that we need to keep alive in our communities. Yeah, I think I think it feels like there's a shift to more local, fresh, mm -hmm. um, but that can't obviously happen as easy with large chains. Oh, of course not. Yeah. yeah. And so to be able to have that for you and, and mm -hmm. have control over that, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know because when I was raising my children, I was absolutely about fast. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was a child of the 70s, and that's when TV dinners came absolutely. in. Mm -hmm. So that was all kind of how we were raised. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really nice to get back to the whole food idea. And But I think many of us don't know how to prepare it. Absolutely. It, it's, it is literally just knowledge that has been lost. I, I have this theory that, and it's, you know, it's about the TV dinners, that kind of two things happened in about the same time. And one was... Julia Childs released The Art of French Cooking, and the TV dinner was first introduced. And I think that you were um, one or two moms. You were either the, the mom who really wanted to learn that art of cooking, yeah. or you were the mom that was looking, that was more modernized. Yeah. And, and so then, but once that easy. split was made, yeah. you know, then that next generation had either one or the other, whereas that first, that first group had both and so there was that little bit of knowledge there but then you know now it's and then the next yeah, family it's, it. uh -huh, mm -hmm. and we're losing it mm -hmm. and so yeah I think it's just really kind of unfortunate because it it leads to you know the a lot of just loss of you know when when you have a party where does everybody end up they end up in the kitchen yeah absolutely yeah so well I know I think I, I think about my mom canning she canned and canned and canned and I Never was interested in that, never learned it. My biggest accomplishment has been freezer jam, mm -hmm. which is mostly sugar. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but nevertheless, I think you're right. There's a lot of that skill and stuff that has been lost. And I will say canning is not something that I particularly enjoy. <laughs> I think I did it once and decided that was not really my lot in life. Well, at least you know what to do with the vegetable. But I mean, whatever that looks but like. But if somebody else gives me the canned vegetables, you're right. Yeah. At least I know what to do with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I'm interested in the name Diablas. Doesn't doesn't that translate to like she devil or something? It does, yeah. So where did this come it's from? It's actually, and you know, it's it's really technically not even a word okay. because it's it's like slang. It is. I mean, Diablo would be the would would be devil in Spanish, and Diabla was just kind of a play on that for late for Lady Devil. So when we changed the name from Three's Company, we just didn't know what to change it to, and. We and my um, business partner said, you know, well, what do you think of Diablo's Kitchen? <laughs> and I just, I, you know, I 
thought I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of spicy food and we, you know, have a hot, hot sauce collection and all those things. So we thought, well, that kind of fits, but we also just are known for, you know, having fun when we go to caterings, we have fun too. I mean, we work, but we have fun. And so we thought, you know, why don't we just kind of embrace that attitude? And so that's when we changed the name and, um, and it's stuck and, and it's then worked. it stuck. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I almost changed it again when I went down to one. And, yeah. and so in 2017, I completely remodeled the inside and repainted everything and just decided, you know, I needed kind of like a, like a fresh start. Yeah, right. and, and so I had considered changing the name again, but my customer base was just, please do not change it. Yeah. We know you and, as Diabolus. Yeah. And so I just changed the logo, gave it a little bit more of a friendly look. And because, you know, there are people that, that do not enjoy the name and so <laughs> they don't want to They're eat reading it. into all of that. And she it, devil, you know, huh? yeah. And it's, and I just, you know, I just want people to know that that's, you're you not know, a she devil. I'm not a she devil. No, you it are has not. no religious connotation to it. It literally is just something fun. And yeah. you know, so I thought it was a fighting chicken. <laughs> what is that? Do you know what that, anyway, I didn't know what the name meant to, and I had to look it up. So there's some people like me that just know that it's Diabolus and yeah, that's, I yeah. don't have any idea what it means. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's kind of fun. Um, talk to me. I didn't know that you had a hot sauce like that you make and you sell. Um, no, we, we just always have a lot of different hot sauces oh, for it. people to choose from. Got it. But we do make our own sauces, other sauces that we do sell. So we yeah. have an apricot red pepper sauce and a hot wing sauce and, and then we sell our salad dressings and yeah, that's awesome. and stuff. So, okay. So I understand that you have a passion for serving others, especially those who are struggling to find their next meal. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, so I work with the community food basket and the soup kitchen. Um, I started working with them just kind of off and on around five years ago, or I just every now and then would make the food and deliver it. And now in the last year or so, I've um, really added on to that. So two years ago, we started Thanksgiving there. It was the first time that the soup kitchen had been open on Thanksgiving day oh, in seriously? like 25 years. Wow. Um, the reason being that the Elks Lodge provides an amazing Thanksgiving oh, dinner. And it, so it wasn't that- They could get it someplace. Yeah, there, there, was, there was another option but my thought was it is so cold and there are a lot of people that are walking and if you live in downtown or on on this side of the area you know to walk to the Elks Lodge it was quite an undertaking and so right. I just thought well why don't we try and I asked them if I could try it and they said yes and so we did Thanksgiving dinner and it was really fun it was a really great time and that year we also did Christmas Day so wow <clears throat> because then I just could not handle the idea of them being closed on Christmas Day. That just, you know, was just too heartbreaking to imagine people being hungry or being alone. Because, you know, the other part of it, the, the soup kitchen is, you know, that is their, that's their family. You know, when they their come community. there to eat, that is yeah. their community. Yeah. And, and you see it very strongly when you're serving them. And so... They're taking care of each other. Absolutely. And so... And so then after that, I just kind of, you know, we did another Thanksgiving dinner and I started doing a few more lunches where I was just delivering. And then this year I started um, in January where I have a day a month where I'm the team leader. So I, I go and I cook and then 
Um, I have my own team and we serve and everything. And then one day a month, I just cook and deliver it for another team, which kind of start off with now I just do all, like all of the holidays and there's pretty much a holiday in every month. So unless it's, you know, Father's Day or Mother's Day or Easter, and then I do the day after um, I do the Monday. But anyway, I just really feel strongly that, you know, those that can should. And so the fact that I can, I have this ability, um, that I should, you know, share it in, in more ways than just financial ways. And so I just, I, I really love our community and I think that we just need to do everything we can to help them in any way that we can. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite, um, there's a scripture if for anybody who is into scriptures, I don't know the verse because I'm not a scriptorian, but I've learned it that says, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is another way to say we have the stewardship to other people. And so when we have, we should give. Like Ab absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So do you provide the food and everything? Or are you just cooking? Um, I, you know, I do a little bit of both. I, you know, most of the time I try to use the food that's been donated. Okay. To, and so I'll go pick, yeah, you right. know, pick up my ingredients and, oh. and cook from there. Um, other times I just provide all the food because I want to make something that they just simply, you know, wouldn't yeah. have the ingredients for. Yeah, that's fun. And then when I do Thanksgiving and Christmas, I usually put out a request on our Facebook page that will say, this is what we're serving. And these are, these are the needs that I have. And so then you can either sign up for, you know, one thing, you know, I'll, I'll bring a ham or I'll provide, you know, 20 pounds of potatoes or whatever it is that you want to do. And I will say this community is absolutely fantastic. They give so much. I I have never had, I usually end up with t telling people I have enough. I don't need any more. Uh -huh. I don't need any more. And so it's it's really just amazing. And and if the, you know, and, and a lot of times if they can't give that way, then they just want to volunteer. And so they're willing to give up their holiday to come down and, and help us serve. And so it's So you're it's not really there awesome. alone doing all of this. No, no. Yeah, that's great. So if somebody was interested in helping with this, they just need to watch your Facebook page? Yeah, watch the Facebook page or they can call the restaurant and talk to me about it. Um, and we can go forward with however they would like to help. Yeah, that's great. So do you have any other ideas around that? Any other, um, You do you imagine that you're gonna continue to do that until who knows when? Oh, absolutely. I would like to even do more. If I, if I could have two more days a week and 10 more hours in a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know? you have a business to run. Yeah, but I would, I really just feel strongly about helping food insecurity and helping those that are in need. I mean, you just, it's, it's people that you would not even imagine. It is every walk of, it's every person you can imagine. It is not just one demographic. It's, and it can hit anybody really at any time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how many families are just two months away from being in very dire circumstances? Yeah. And so we need to just realize that, you know, if we can help, then, then let's help and let's do everything that can be done. Yeah. So tell me about your family. Is your family involved in the business? Yes, they all, they all are. Um, my husband works for a beer and wine distributor and he's their warehouse manager. So we work kind of in the same industry because I you, also provide. You don't provide, have a liquor license. Do you have I don't have a liquor license, license okay. but I but I serve beer and wine. Okay. Okay. And um, and then of course he helps you know in catering jobs things when when it's needed, 
And then both of my kids have worked here or do work here. They start out as dishwashers and <laughs> then move into servers. This and, is their farm where they learn is, how to work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> start them young too. Yeah, that's great. Um, but absolutely. Okay. And I think that that's a really important thing that it's, you know, it is, it is a family business and it's important, you know, to the family. So that, so we all have to work together. And did you come from an entrepreneurial family? I did. My parents owned their own business also. And so you saw this, I saw this. And so, and I will say that is one thing that I did know what I was getting myself into. It wasn't like I walked into this blindly thinking, oh, I'm going to own my own business and be able to take time off whenever I want to. <laughs> no, the business will own me. No, the, yeah, you're, it owns you for sure. And so, um, but it, but watching that growing up just really taught me the value of hard work and, and enjoying the fruits of your labor and seeing when you offer something and, and that hard work, you know, giving you payment in return, whether it's financial or just, you know, an emotional return or self-confidence, just whatever it is. Yeah, so how does that work? Like, do you ever get to leave? Do you ever get days off? Because you have such a small team, they kind of depend on you. I, I, I do get days off, um, thankfully because of Joel. I, he you know, can cover I, it. He can cover, and so I, I have gone on a couple of family vacations, and um, but there are times where I just close the restaurant because we need a family day. And that's just the and way it is. It, yeah. And I, and I, I feel like my customers respect that. Yeah. that every once yeah. in a while I'll say, you know, I'm not going to be open today because, you know, we're having a family day and yeah. that's important to us too. And so good for you. I think that's great. And it's a good example to your kids that, you know, the job isn't absolutely everything. It's right. feeding us, but if we right. can walk away for mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this story all sounds pretty good, like things fell into place, and here you have this darling restaurant, mm -hmm. but have you run into any obstacles that have caused you to doubt your vision along the way? I would just, um, you know, there are definitely, there are a couple of times each year where it's the, the months are a little more lean, and that's just the nature of the game. Um, so the first couple of years that that happened, and I wasn't necessarily prepared, it was tough and I think, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Or, you know, yeah. am I gonna make it through the next two months? Or now after this many years, I just learned to breathe and remind myself this happens every year. You're I can fine do this. every year, uh -huh. you know, and each year it gets a little less difficult. And so I would, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say I wish I had known a little bit more about business. Um, I cause I didn't go to college at all. I graduated from high school and then started working at Burger King and right. then et cetera. And so I just wish I would have taken the opportunity and the time to take some basic business classes. Uh -huh. So how'd you figure it out? Trial and error. <laughs> you just did it. And tears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, you indeed. Know, but it just, and so I, and I'm still learning all the time. Yeah. But it's, that, so I would say that was one thing that I wish I would have taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I think there's a lot of resources anymore. People starting business now, there's so many ways for them to learn. It's not necessarily that you have to go to college, but definitely you need to mm -hmm. look at those different, it's not just your talent. There's other things that are Absolutely. involved in running a mm -hmm. business. Yeah, I can appreciate that very, very much. Um, Kevin's an excellent mechanic, and when we changed to be owners of the business, that was a whole different mm -hmm. eye-opening experience. 
and he would prefer to go back and be a mechanic, right? Because mm -hmm. that was more fun. But right. we have business to run. So. Right. Um, so what advice would you give to an individual considering a business, a restaurant? What's the best advice maybe you got? Um, I would say that just if, if you really believe in it and you feel strongly in it, then you need to go for it because life is pretty short and you need to follow through with your dreams and, and go after your goals. No, nobody's going to do it for you. So, but you need to go into a smart and remember that it is going to be a lot of hard work. It's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it takes for a restaurant, you know, specifically, let's say you can assume you're going to be losing money for the first five years of your business. Yikes. And I was fortunate enough that I didn't experience that. I, I've always been, you know, pretty fortunate because that way. Because you came in with a customer base because of your catering. I do you think, think I think that I think because I I grew as I could. I didn't spend money I didn't oh, have, right. uh -huh. so I wasn't overextending myself, you know, too much. And right. and I took things slowly, but but it takes time to build a reputation and to get somewhere. And if you cannot, you know, mentally prepare yourself for those years, then really consider that because you also don't want to waste your time or lose your money. Yeah, right. Just chasing something. That's yeah, not so you, you have to come. mentally prepare yourself that it's going to take a few years. And you just have to keep believing in yourself. And so keep... how did you grow your business? Was it all word of mouth? Or were you advertising? Mostly word of mouth. I didn't really start doing a lot of commercials until around a year or so ago. So I just started off with a you know, Facebook. Where are you advertising at? Um, I've had some radio commercials. I've had some TV commercials. Uh -huh. And they're just here or there. I've never done them consistently. Or and you're very active in downtown activities, and then too, but yeah. right? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Did you do Taste of Idaho? Taste of Downtown? Taste, yeah, mm -hmm. Taste of Downtown. Uh -huh. I did. And do you usually do that every year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And remind the listeners what that is. So Taste of Downtown is an event that they host every summer um, on the in between the block of... A Street and Broadway on Park and it essentially is a little food booth of all the different restaurants in downtown Idaho Falls and they just offer little bites and so you when you get there you purchase tickets and your tickets are a dollar and then each food item is valued at so many tickets. Yeah it's kind of fun because it gives you kind of literally a taste of everything. Absolutely and, and kind of just shows you all the different things that all these restaurants are offering and we have such a fun eclectic group of restaurants downtown right yeah. now. It's really quite neat. Yeah. So downtown is becoming just a blast. Um, as you know our business is also pretty mm -hmm. close to downtown I and mean, we are kind of on the outskirts I guess but still we feel like our roots are deep in downtown Idaho Falls and mm -hmm. we're never gonna leave it and it's just fun to see all the great things that are coming to downtown and 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 the growth absolutely a lot has happened in the last few years I mean a lot has happened in the last 10 years but in the last three years specifically Even it is more. just it's just so exciting it's a fun place to be it is I love downtown me too all right so what would you say is the most worthwhile risk over this adventure that you've taken what was the most worthwhile risk it's an interesting question. Yeah, it's kind of a one a, a thinker, isn't it? Yeah. Because certainly, being a business owner, you have to take risk. What was it that you put yourself out there the most and it paid off? Um, I would say doing the catering for Breaking Boundaries. Oh, tell me why that was. That is an, an incredibly um, beautiful event, and but it's also a very large event. It, it they host around four hundred and twenty guests. Wow. And it's a sit down dinner. 
So that it was something that's you aren't really used to not in my yeah that is not normally in my realm of um, comfortability, and so the first year they asked me to do it, I had to really think about it. They I, approached you. Yeah, I uh, the year before I had participated actually with Joel, but he was in his restaurant at that time, and so we we co-hosted it together. And so what that, restaurant I, did Joel come from? He owned Republic. Okay, all right. And then, um, so, so I, I mean, I knew exactly what it was, and I had been wanting it for a lot of years, but again, it was just so, I mean, it's, it's huge. huge. And so I just was really unsure, and, and the board member that approached me, she just said, you know, I, I would not ask you if I did not believe in you. And so I... I said yes, and, <laughs> and you figured it out. And I figured it out, and it was it was definitely you know it was an experience, and thankfully it went well. Yeah. And so I've done it now for three years. I think this is my fourth year. Congratulations! So. That's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. So did that give you confidence? Like, are you looking for big venues like that? I you know I don't I would that's not something I would want to do often. The circumstances of that specifically help because it is hosted in the Elks Lodge, which has a full kitchen. Yeah, right. Um, so you do you know, all your cooking on So we site. do all the cooking there. Yeah. We do some of it here, but a lot of it there. Mm -hmm. And th obviously that's the only way that could be done. Yeah. And so um, I don't know if I would want to do it all the time because it's also kind of, you know, I look at it as my event of the year too. I really look forward to it. I, I plan all year for it, plan the menu and you know, I go get my hair done and, <laughs> you know, you. I, mean, I just, it's yeah. just kind of, and it's so, fun. and, um, but it has definitely led into some other things that other opportunities, yeah, other opportunities that are just nice. And so, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, it helps you get your, the word out about who you are and right. what you're capable of doing. So that's awesome. All right. So what do you think keeps you inspired to achieve success? Is it the fact that you get to serve others? What is that, that, that keeps you passionate about this? I think um, the fact that I get to serve others, the fact that I get to make whatever I want pretty much whenever I want. Yeah, you know, right. if there's something I really want to make, then it's going to go on the menu. And and I and I've just always really liked that. There there have been Sundays where the menu literally has not been released until we open because I'll see something at the store and I think, well, I I have to buy that. How am I going to use that? And so <laughs> now I have to change the menu. You know. And so you probably don't see as very many people get as excited over items in the grocery store as I get. <laughs> I think that's awesome because you still have that passion yeah. and that creativity around. Mm -hmm. I saw a jackfruit in the, gro in the grocery store the yeah. other day. And I'm like, how would anybody actually eat this thing, let alone use it? Have you ever used a jackfruit? I have, yeah. Okay. So see, you can get creative yeah. with all sorts of stuff. All right. Well, what do you feel like the future for is for Diablos? Are you planning on like, will you be in a bigger space, or is this is this comfortable? I, you know, I love my space. Um, I'm always in the back of my mind want a bigger space. Yeah. Just if anything, so I could accommodate catering in the restaurant at the same time. A lot of times, I have to close the restaurant to accommodate the catering because there's just no space. I mean, right. there's nowhere to put anything. Right. And also put people, and so. And I know that that's what the customers want too. They they don't want to come get all excited to come to lunch and then get have this you know sign on the door that says closed for catering. Right. I know it's frustrating for them also. But I don't want to leave downtown. I have no desire to leave downtown, and so that limits my options a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I just you know. I just 
I think when I see, when the opportunity arises, I'll know that it's the right one and I'll take it. But until then, I, I just intend on staying here in this spot and doing everything I can to accommodate as many people as I can. Yeah, and service great, great, great so, food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Deanna, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want the listeners to know before we finish up? Um, I just hope that you all come to visit me and kind of give the food <laughs> a try. Yeah, I highly recommend that. I will say that I have um, partaken a few different times and um, never, ever am disappointed. The menu is always very wonderful. So oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. So thanks so much for visiting with me today and sharing your story. Idaho Falls is absolutely lucky to have you and your talents. Thank you for feeding us and showing us what real food is. You definitely are an example of following your dreams and making it work no matter what. So thank you so much. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair located in Idaho Falls and in Rexburg. If you are looking for honesty and integrity in automotive repair along with top-notch customer service, there's only one place to go. So come see us and let, your fam let our family take care of your family, which we have been doing for 80 years now, guys. This is our 80th year, and so we're celebrating in the month of September by doing some giveaways. So check out our page and enter to win. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening to learn tips and tactics that will help you lead your business and life to success in our business leadership moment. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hi there. Thank you for joining me for the Business Leadership Moment. I'm super excited to tell you about our sponsor. Uh, you've heard about it before, but RiseCon sponsors this particular segment. And we are getting closer and closer to the next RiseCon, which will be held November 6th through the 9th. And this is 2019. So we're getting ever closer. It's going to be a great event. There's five keynote speakers, 18 different master classes, opportunities to network and learn, and just a great thing for your business. So if you're wondering if you should go, I'm telling you, you should go. So please hop in, get some tickets, and I will see you there. Just so you're aware, I really do need your support and love because I'm speaking at at RiseCon. So I'm really excited for the opportunity. I'm excited for my topic and I'm I'm hoping that I will see many friendly faces there to help cheer me on. Also, RiseCon has a sister event called RiseX and that happens in Pocatello and Idaho Falls on a monthly basis. And again, very informational, very worthwhile. If you want to take your business to the next level, absolutely where you should be. So check it out at IdahoRiseCon.com and Rise is spelled with a Z. Okay, guys, today I wanted to talk to you about a recent situation that happened where I work and where there was a lack of follow through that caused a bunch of discontent and uh, dissatisfaction. And not only that, but what it has ended up with is uh, absolute mistrust. And it's going to take some time to really gain back the trust of the team members and to earn back their, um, well, their trust. That's it. It's basically that. By not following through, and certainly I own a piece of that, uh, we've created a situation that has led people to tell themselves stories. And that's what we do, right? When we don't have information, our minds go crazy because it has to fill in the blanks. There has to be a reason for things. And so 
we fill in the blanks and it's not always with accurate information. So it's been on my mind lately about that lack of follow through and how I could have done that better. And so I wanted to talk with you about that because unfortunately, this is all too common of a story in many of our businesses and in the places where we work. We go to meetings, we leave meetings, or we hear certain communication And it leads us to believe that there's going to be follow-through that happens, or we commit to following through. And what actually happens is radio silence. Um, We don't hear things from the people who made those promises, or maybe it's us that doesn't follow through. So nothing is said, and it appears, you know, that nothing's done. And it actually really makes our team feel like they aren't cared about, as you can imagine, because I know I feel that way. When things aren't followed through with, people make promises, and, you know, I don't feel like I'm cared about. It it doesn't take many of these failed commitments for our teams to lose, lose faith in their leaders and in us, and they, you know, again, fill in the blanks where it feels like maybe we can't even make change happen that we promised. So, we want to try to avoid that, obviously, and, and I wish that I could have avoided that in my own workplace, but um, we have to move forward, right? So as we know, credibility is definitely a cornerstone of leadership, and without it, our teams lose trust in us. So finishing what you start is a commitment um, that you have to make to yourself and to others. And sometimes that can be hard, but it really is a choice. So if we are making promises or making commitments, we absolutely can choose to follow through with those. And we've got to approach our work in uh, an intentional way so that we can finish what we start, right? And if we if we just say it and we never follow through because we aren't organized or we forgot or whatever the case may be, again, it doesn't take many of those times for our teams to really lose faith in us. So I have a few things that um, maybe you could implement that make follow through a little more automatic for you. Just some tips that maybe could help you in your own business and leadership. So first, I would recommend to don't procrastinate. Uh, Oftentimes, I know for myself, if I don't just go immediately and do the thing or follow up or send the email at least so I know it's going to come back to me, um, I can forget that I actually made a promise that I need to follow through with. So don't procrastinate tackle the task or at least do something to move that forward. Um, and and um, then number two, set a deadline and then commit yourself to it. So make sure that you, however you keep track of that, um, set a deadline, commit yourself to it. Um, that would be number three. What is your way of keeping track of that? Calendaring is my typical way of keeping track of stuff. So I will literally put a deadline or, you know, maybe a couple of days earlier on my calendar to remind me that I have to follow through with something. Um, Calendaring things saves my bucket so many times because I live and die by my calendar. So if there's an appointment on there that says follow up with X, um, then that's what I do. So use whatever electronic helps can help you um, and make sure that Uh, you can get that in a place where it reminds you to follow up. It's also, I would say tip number four is it's also really important maybe to have an accountability partner. I call them accountability buddies. Um, Have somebody that you can be accountable, that can hold you accountable and that you can be accountable to. And maybe that's, um, you know, another individual in your business. Sometimes that might be a coach. If you don't have a coach that's helping you to be a better 
business person, a better leader. Um, gosh, I highly recommend that. And I'm happy to recommend some coaches if you're interested. Um, and then number five, use tools like I have um, a tool from Linda Galindo that's called the High Performance Contract that helps me in a meeting make sure that I have the who's going to do what by when, and we make those commitments in an action plan type of a, a document. And we, when we have our meetings, we run off of those meetings so that it's really clear about what we had committed to. So use something like a high performance contract or a clear agreement, which is exactly what it sounds. Who's going to do what by when? Um, that's more for a one-to-one kind of a commitment. But nevertheless, have something, have it in writing. Um, that can even be done as simply in an email uh, as long as it's written down and you make sure that individuals understand what their role in this commitment is as well as what you're committing to. Um, And then make sure that success is defined. What does success look like? So if we accomplish, um, you know, whatever we're working towards, what does it look like if we accomplish it and and it's successful? So, you know, when we think about follow through, um, meeting our commitments, it's certainly not a flashy part of leadership, but it is critical. And if we can really nail this down, there is a huge payoff, huge payoff to our teams trusting us and knowing that we're going to follow through and we have their back. And if you um, talk to them or if you're doing employee satisfaction surveys, you certainly know that that is a hugely important thing that they feel like they're supported, that they know that you're going to follow through. So do what you say that you will do when you say you're going to do it. Um, Honestly, it may seem simple, but so few people do it that I promise you will stand out as a business and as a leader. Okay, guys, have a fantastic week, and I look forward to uh, hearing and talking to you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.